Once again, to the Long Overdue, a show about libraries, where each episode I will bring in a special guest. We will talk about the Sol Ross Library and beyond. Welcome to season two of the show. So with me today, I have Anthony Quintana, a good friend of mine. He's a second year MA English student and longtime resident of the West Texas area. As a recent graduate of SR in May 2021 with a BA in English, Anthony has served in multiple roles, including as a reporter for the Skyline newspaper and a peer tutor for the Academic Support Center. He currently serves as a graduate assistant slash tutor for the Department of Languages and Literature and also worked as editorial designer for the 2022 edition of the Sage Journal. His favorite genres of literature include nonfiction and poetry. His most recent poem, Ode to the High Fade Comover, is slated for publication in the 2022 edition of the Sage. Welcome, Anthony. Great to have you on the show, man. Thank you, Edwin. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to be here. First time I've ever been invited over to a podcast so i'm a little <laughs> excited but also nervous so i'm not to be nervous about it, man it's just going to be normal conversation between you and i and ask you some questions and we'll just get the ball rolling from there and also a shout out to anthony because today is his birthday happy birthday man Ooh, thank you very much <laughs> i appreciate that how old are you turning man 28 years young wow 28 years young yeah that's exactly that's the best way to say it so <laughs> anthony with a little shout out of the way let's go ahead and get the ball rolling so what do libraries mean to you anthony Hmm. You know, I've been listening to all the past episodes before, <laughs> and everybody's had a really unique answer, so hopefully mine will be as unique, too. Um, so for me, growing up, libraries were an integral part of not only getting interested in literature, but also utilizing the technology. So I'm from Marfa, Texas, born and raised over there, and we have the public library there, and they were always having events going on for kids and different community outreach programs. So... Whenever I wasn't a part of those, I would just go in my free time with my older siblings. I have two older sisters. So that was our way of using computers, connecting online. So this would have been early 2000s, back in the days of Yahoo Messenger and <laughs> those type of chatting things before social media like we have now. Yeah. So that's what my teenage sisters would use. I would use it for video games. Of course. So yeah, <laughs> you'll appreciate that. I would play Star Wars and other oh, pilot games. Dude. So some of the early computer games with 3D graphics. But yeah, um, it was a place for me to read. So I was reading a lot of graphic novels, a lot of um, Goosebumps, Arl Stein. That was oh, kind of what I was interested in. Yeah, <laughs> and um, different things like that. So some of it was a little bit advanced for my age. So early 2000s, that would have been when I was around six to nine years old when I was mostly spending my time there. And then um, as an adult, you know, coming to Sol Ross in 2016, um, that was my go-to place for studying, for utilizing the services as well. And then also, you know, that's how I met a lot of our mutual friends. A lot of us got connected through the library. And then as I continued on in my academic career um, in 2019, that's when I started as a tutor for the what used to be called the tutoring and learning center yeah. now it's the academic support center i still call it the tlc it's the <laughs> tlc in my heart everybody still calls it the tlc man yeah so for me you know just it was a it was an, a natural progression for me to go from studying to going as a tutor and just connecting with everybody so libraries to me is a place for connecting with others but also finding new opportunities to explore one's curiosity both academically and creatively that's good, man. Like you said, very, very unique response to add to the unique response we've gotten over time. And honestly, it's it's great to hear that the library has already been such a great 
and huge part in your life already, especially like living in places like here in Alpine and Marfa where like there's not exactly a lot to do. Exactly. So it's always great to know that the libraries are so supported by the community that you can find things to do just by going there, whether it be reading your favorite books or like you said, going to some of the events that were provided to the library by the community or by the library itself. Yeah, and that was a great thing. You know, it was the central hub for everything. So a lot of our a lot of our generation, the millennial generation, before smartphones and tablets, that was the hangout spot. You know, the library, there wasn't very many things to do in Marfa. So the library was a central place where they would have events during the holidays or just any any reason to get kids out and active and participating. So it was it was a fun time. And I definitely have some great fun memories there. Oh, well, that's good. And do you think if like the library didn't have those events for the community do you think you would have still been drawn to it as you were growing up uh i don't think as much but i think i would have still gone naturally because being the youngest out of yeah. two siblings wherever my older sisters went i would go to <laughs> so some stuff you know it's just ah, i don't really want to do that but i was still part of it so um, in a way though i'm glad though because it, it got me out of my comfort zone i was a lot more shy and introverted as a young kid and a lot of my early elementary school teachers would have said the same thing. They're like, wow, we never hear from him. Like, <laughs> does he talk? Like, what does his voice sound like? So No, and, and I think that's a great point to bring up. It's interesting how the library and the library environment themselves are very, like, you'd think they're very introverted. But they end up somehow bringing out a little bit of your extrovert because you'll see someone reading a specific book. And you're curious more about the book than the person. Mm -hmm. But it ends up opening up those doors of conversation and you're like, oh, look, we actually like the same thing or, oh, look, a new perspective. So I think that's that's interesting that it did that for you as well. Yeah, I definitely had that experience, too, here at Sol Ross in the library. One of the things I always appreciated, too, is the view of Alpine, especially oh, yeah. from the first and third floor. Absolutely beautiful. And that was one of the things that was advertised to me as I was registering for classes. Me, too, actually. The views, the sights and everything. Absolutely, yeah. I just wish I could take down the McDonald's sign, but that's a thing for later. <laughs> so Corporate America. Corporate America, exactly. <laughs> so with, with this in mind, what does our library mean to you now that you've been to the Soros Library in your time here? You know, I've been actually reflecting on that over the past few years, especially, again, getting my start as a tutor over there, but then also just as a regular student studying looking up different books in different genres, either for classes or just for fun. I've kind of noticed a transition in myself where I used to just go for more um, functional way, I guess, for lack of better words. In other words, just to go there for a specific reason with intentionality. Now I just go for fun. You know, I love exploring and looking at different books, the comic book collection that we have there. So the Sol Ross Library for me, um, really is a special place because again that's where i got to connect with so many people that I consider lifelong friends and wonderful co-workers and people in our circle so just really being able to connect with people and everything else i really do owe a lot to the library and just the people that are there i think it brings out the best in the community here and it also like as you mentioned it sparks curiosity so even if somebody isn't really connecting with somebody else or talking so to speak you know, it's one of those things where they might have a book and they go, oh, what is that right there? Or what, what is it that you're doing? So it was a way for me to connect with more students and really explore um, what the library does have to offer beyond the technology resources and the books that they do have. So, Yeah, and I think it's great that the TLC was a part of the library back in the day because I think about like the rest of campus and I can't think of another spot 
where you would want to put the TLC. Because putting this tutoring center right smack dab in the middle of the library was not only helpful to the students, but also helpful to you as tutors because you could be like, oh, you can go to the third floor, look at some books there, and we can start talking about using them as examples for some of your papers mm -hmm. and whatnot. So, like, yeah, I can, uh, I definitely agree with what, your, what our library means to you and definitely how it has helped shape your experiences as a tutor. Yeah, it's been very humbling, too, because um, not only has it shaped me personally and professionally, but I've also seen the transition with other students mm -hmm. working at the TLC formally. Um, we would get a lot of first-year students, and a lot of them, it was their first semester or their first year as a college student, so there was a big adjustment there when it came to time management and the course workload and things like that. So really just letting them know that we're there and we're not there to criticize them or judge their work harshly. We're just there to be a helping hand and really a lot of the work that they're doing is us just helping them get to where they need to go so seeing seeing that transition from a very shy student to someone that's more confident and it's on a first name basis because we're a small campus so we get to build those interpersonal relationships with students and professionally it was it was a very humbling experience because not only did it influence me as an individual but i could see it amongst some of our first year students as well yeah no uh you're absolutely right. I mean, some of these students, like you said, are very shy, very very introverted, and they end up getting the help to overcome that through some of the most unlikely sources, one of these being the tutoring center, because obviously, like, I'm just here to, you know, to get my homework done, but they end up coming out of their shell a little bit more, maybe not a lot, but a little bit more, and that, that, ends, that ends up being, like, very useful for them, like how it was useful for you in developing as a person. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it wasn't just an overnight transition for mm -hmm. me. Again, coming from a very shy background, I'm very fortunate that in our, in our graduate program and even in the undergraduate program with languages and literature, there was a lot of faculty that would see the potential in all of us. And especially with my situation, they said, why don't you consider you know, this tutoring thing? Or why don't you consider mm -hmm. participating with this group and this and that? And for me, it was breaking out of my comfort zone because initially when I came to Soros, I thought, I'm just going to quietly make my way through my degree plan, you know, <laughs> just sneakily go through and then four years will go by and have my bachelor's. I'm glad that plan didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad others saw potential in me and really pushed me forward. So, you know, I really tried to do that for some of the students coming through, regardless mm -hmm. of what their background was. And, you know, it was very interesting because I saw a lot of parallels with them as well, because coming from first year and then transitioning all the way to senior um, you see that level of progression over time, especially as the students try to push forward in their academic careers. So I could see former versions of myself, mm -hmm. so to speak, through those students. So I kind of knew how to talk to them in a specific way or how to address our tutorial sessions. So even though sometimes they might came, they might have come for writing help, we ended up talking about other academic resources available for them. And some of them, you know, they were just having a rough day and they would ask. Um, they just needed somebody to talk to somebody to reaffirm that they are a good student, yeah. you know, they are important. So yeah, in a way, you know, being a tutor is also just carrying on a, a bunch of other responsibilities, even though we inadvertently not necessarily are signed up for that, but it's mm. kind of a natural progression. So it's, no, it's been wonderful. That's great. I'm definitely glad to hear that. I'm definitely glad to hear that our library was able to provide you with that space and experience. So with this in mind, and you've answered this a little bit already, What's your history with libraries while you were growing up to where you are today? Yeah, so as you mentioned, we touched on it in the intro, but I'll try to expand a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah, central hub for hanging out in a small town area. Opportunity to use computers and the internet at an early stage in time where I didn't have access to those things at home. So it was either at school or at the library. So just really just relaxing, using it as a place to hang out, explore my curiosity with literature, graphic novels, comic books, so on and so forth. And then it's kind of interesting because in elementary school, I was very invested in reading and learning. But then as high school and junior high come around, you know, as a teenager, you kind of explore other options. You're figuring out your self-identity. So I used to think, I don't like reading books. Books are boring. (laughs) And it wasn't until college that that fire got reinvigorated in me once again. And I said, wow, you know, there's so many great things here. And that curiosity came back. So I think... um, I think that's what the power of the library has and the people that work there is mm-hmm. the people um, working with you and having that first impression when you reach out, especially with a big library like Sol Ross's. Yeah. You know, it's not as massive as other campuses, so to speak, but it's, you know, that we, we have an awesome collection of different resources. So it can be a little intimidating if you've never gone through there before, but talking with the librarians or the circulation desk staff, everybody is super helpful, very friendly, and I think that makes a difference how someone perceives a library. No, most most definitely, you're absolutely right. Like, yes, a library is already a very welcoming place, but you also have to have a welcoming staff. Like, if your librarians end up being, like, cranky and mean, like the old (laughs) stereotypical librarians, or if you're at the circulation desk that just never pay attention to you, like, obviously it's going to ruin your experience with the library, but we are lucky enough to not have that. I'm lucky enough to be working alongside uh, librarians and circulation desk uh, workers that provide that experience and welcoming aura, so to speak, to the students who walk in. And it's just, again, yeah, I definitely agree with what you said. It's great that your history with the library has been like this, and it's been a very positive one for you, and it's helped you be who you are today. So now with this in mind, with, li- with the libraries we meant to you and your history with them, to delve further into your history, what's the <laughs> coolest library you visited? So um, I think the coolest library I've ever visited, it was in San Antonio. It's called the San Pedro Library. Okay. And I don't remember the exact location. I want to say it's on the north side of San Antonio. Okay. But it's it's very neat in the sense that the aesthetic of the building itself, it's very traditional um, building where, so it's not Adobe. I don't necessarily know the material it's mm-hmm. made out of. But it's really unique in the sense that it, it evokes history in Texas history. And as you go in there, there's a there's a wide collection of different books in there from Texas history to just American history in general. And they have a lot of classics. They have an archive there. And it was really neat. I, I, I managed to visit that about two years ago. Or nice. I'm sorry, three years ago before the pandemic. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really fun. You know, we just, we just happened to go by there and we were looking at different things to do, me and my family, when mm-hmm. we were traveling because uh, that's where my siblings live is in San Antonio. So we were looking at different things to do and that library came up and I was researching it and I said, you know, I wanna stop there. And my oldest sister, her name is Sam. She, she said, yeah, let's go. Cause she loves reading too. So she has a passion for that. And we stopped there and it was really unique. It, plenty of books, um, not, not as massive in scale as the Sol Ross <laughs> library, but it's a, it's a little unique space, you know, out of nowhere that you know, if you're not actively looking for it, you mm-hmm. might not know it exists, but it's a fun place to go to. And from the research, I found a lot of people use it as a resource for 
history regarding Texas and also American history. So then this library is mainly like a like a, like a Texas history library then, right? Yeah, you could you could classify it as that. Oh, okay. So in your like I guess in your in your little uh, discovery there, were you able to find any books specifically that caught your attention while going through there? Well, surprisingly, when we went, um, we actually found books about the Big Bend area. So huh, okay. I had seen those books before, like uh, especially if you go to Marfa or anywhere mm-hmm. else, there's generally books about the area. So some of them are f- historical fiction, so uh, and then others are based off of urban legends and tales. Some of them is just straight uh, history about, about the area of Big Bend and just the West Texas area around here in general. So to see them there, it was just a fun, fun little nod to me that you know a massive place as San Antonio would consider a small community like Marfa or Fort Davis. So that was fun to see that there. Yeah, it's 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 always great to see like you grow up thinking like, man, this place is so small, like nobody cares about it. But then you go to like libraries in different parts of like Texas specifically, and you're like, oh look, like they actually read up on our on our history and our geography here. And I think that's another great bit about the library the library makes sure that you or anybody you know or even areas you've known aren't exactly forgotten like they're always there for you to look at and be like oh yeah look that's right that's something i used to look at stuff like that yeah and coming from a small town community you know it's you don't really realize a sense of scale of just how big a state like texas is until you start traveling to all these little small towns and places all these little roadside stops and my, my oldest sister, Sam, she always says, one of, my, one of my bucket list goals is to stop at all these roadside places and just read the plaques, you know, because we're always constantly <laughs> traveling. You don't, you know, it's something you don't really think about unless you're traveling on vacation or something in an RV. But for us, that's something we don't do. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, Texas is so massive and there's so many unique places yeah. and a lot of historical influence on other things. So. Yeah, you just don't realize the scale of everything until you until <laughs> you travel around and you're just like, wow, you know. Honestly, I feel like if you put this in like games like Final Fantasy or something, like the map of Texas would just have like a bunch of like points of interest because of how much there is to the state of Texas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So with all of this in mind, if you could build your own library, what would this dream library look like? You know, I love old Victorian Gothic. <laughs> I don't know what it is about me. Maybe it's my inner goth coming out, but um, my teenage goth. You already moment. got like the suit going on. Yeah, all black <laughs> on black. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've always loved Victorian Gothic architecture just for the unique aesthetic that it carries. So I would like to have something traditional like that. So it has that old aesthetic to it with the furniture and mm-hmm. some of the interior design, but with with a modern twist. So okay. utilizing things like audiobooks, ebooks and kind of that preservation there, but also just have some more interactivity. I think it's really interesting what's happening with tech right now, specifically when it comes to archiving uh, media, Mm -hmm. where we are starting to see more like augmented reality things where, so for like our listeners, that's essentially, it's not virtual reality where you put on a helmet and it's taking you to another world, but it's more so it's integrated with what you're seeing. So. Mm Um, I know a lot of uh, museums and other interactive places are utilizing these things to really immerse uh, yeah. participants into the material. So I would like to do something like that. So have have those modern modern technologies put to good use. So for example, if there's a there's a historical book like let's say uh, Beowulf, um, have it to where the person can download an app 
and then just see the story interact in real time. So maybe there's the epic battle moment with the monster or so on and so forth. So it's just another way to reinvigorate people's passion for literature in unique and interesting ways with maintaining the history of the actual physical copy of the book. Yeah, and I, I that's why wow, that would be a great library to visit. And I, I think that would be fantastic because it's not easy for a lot of people to open up a book and start reading into it or get deeply invested into it. So I think adding that visual aid that you can also follow along as you're reading would definitely help people because, I mean, humans are curious. We're like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? I want to see it, you know? Yeah. So, as, Especially making it accessible to mm -hmm. all demographics, so really getting representation for yes. all groups. And just uh, in general, you know, there's there's a focus now in, tech, in the technology space where there's this keyword that they use called accessibility features. Mm -hmm. And essentially what that means is making sure that your product is accessible for as many people as possible. So yeah. if somebody has a learning disability, a physical disability, such as colorblindness or deafness, they can still enjoy and see the what it is that the library has to offer. So utilizing those technologies just makes it more equitable for everybody. Yeah, case. definitely. Like people who have a hard time reading up close, like you said, people with colorblindness, people with dyslexia, stuff like that. Yeah. I think adding a lot of those aids that you would at visual library is absolutely perfect. And it would just maximize that um, image that we have of a library where it's there to help people. That's its main focus to be should be able to be helpful, friendly and welcoming. Yeah, absolutely. So that is definitely a great way to build a library. So now we're going to move on to one of the hardest questions, Anthony. I hope you're ready for this one. Ooh, I'm ready. <laughs> What's your favorite book? Oh, that is a hard <laughs> question. Oh, man. That one always gets people. <laughs> that's like asking, you know, I don't have kids, but that, I would imagine that's like asking who's your favorite, <laughs> favorite child. child. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh. Would you like the easy question instead? Well, I, I don't know. Easy with you. I don't know. I don't know how easy that is. <laughs> well, what are you reading right now? Okay, I'm reading right now. Um, so it's actually, a, it's a little cheesy and cliche. I'm reading a kind of, not a, not a self-motivational book. I guess you could classify it in that mm -hmm. genre. I'm, I'm interested in minimalism and the idea of the minimalist lifestyle. So not the art movement but more so the idea of intentionality and focus in yes. one's life, getting rid of clutter and making more room for more meaningful things. So there's this group that I've been following for a couple of years now. They're called The Minimalists, and they really pioneered this, this movement that you see online now. And uh, they have a book called Love People, Use Things. Uh -huh. And essentially where that term comes from is uh, they used to say that on uh, their podcast oh, and also okay. on their blog when they first started a couple of years ago. And it was just, it, it caught on and a lot of people started quoting it all the time. So they decided <laughs> to turn that into a book. But it just focuses on, um, there's some anecdotal stories about their experiences, how they kind of started in corporate America and just became unhappy even though they were making six-figure salaries. Wow. So they were buying, you know, all the nice furniture. They had the brand new cars and everything, but they weren't happy. So it wasn't until um, both of them experienced trauma in their life that they realized okay, you know, maybe maybe the answer isn't necessarily more financial wealth or yeah. climbing up the corporate ladder. Maybe I need to find meaning in other places. So it just resonates with me, especially as I get older and just kind of evaluating, you know, what it is that I find value in my life with. And for me, that's community involvement. That's 
uh, being intentional with my time and building meaningful relationships with people, mm -hmm. financial stability, things like that. So it, it's an interesting book because it's a message they've been spreading for the past couple of years, but it, it's with a new twist. And then we also get to learn more about their background and just how, how much um, of it resonates with me as an individual so and how much it connects with people. So, yeah, their quote is, love people, use things mm -hmm. because the opposite doesn't work. Oh, wow. That's actually a really good quote. Yeah. Wow. So it, it caught on and it's something that I quote, too. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, that's definitely very interesting. I personally wouldn't be able to <laughs> deal with that lifestyle, but I'm glad <laughs> it's a lifestyle that works for you and so many other people for this to garner such a large movement in and of its own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so he told you it was a little bit of an easier question now, isn't it? <laughs> you, you know, you weren't lying. You know, at first I was skeptical, but yeah, that, is a good, that was a lot easier. <laughs> so, so you said that you, you've gone to a library sometimes just for fun to look around and whatnot. Have you found any notable, collect, and notable books or whatnot in our collection that have caught your attention the most? Well, I really admire the comic book collection because I wasn't too much into comics as as a younger child and even as a teenager i did like graphic novels and i know yeah. there's a distinction there but um you know i'm trying to explore different options and things because as you mentioned my favorite genres are poetry and nonfiction. yeah uh, so i kind of want to break out of that a little bit more and explore more fiction i know a lot of people in our cohort with our master's program are really heavily into fiction of different kinds from <laughs> from young adult to horror to yeah. sci-fi fantasy so on and so forth so i'm really trying to get into different things and just have an opportunity there to see what kind of influences me with my own personal academic writing but also creative writing mm -hmm. so i've been looking at the comic book collection of course i still love poetry so i'm looking at some of the contemporary poets that we have and just things like that so Nothing in particular that stands out for me. I kind of just grab whatever yeah. I see and then see what sticks with me. So, yeah, I'm just looking at those things right now, and hopefully I'll have a more definitive answer. No, I mean, you're absolutely, you're not, you're not wrong there. I, I think our comic book collection is one that's been quoted a lot uh, in the, the previous episodes that I've done. Um, it definitely is something that you kind of don't expect because it's a university library. Mm -hmm. You think of a university library and you're like, oh, it's going to be nothing but research books, like journals, journals, yeah. uh, heavy literature, Victorian, and so on and so forth. And then it's like, oh, no, we have a, a comic book collection. And people are like, what? But this is, this is a university library. And it's like, well, no, we, we make sure that our collection offers at least bits and pieces for everyone of all different um, parts of the world, so to speak. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that co the comic book collection is something that called to you, especially since you're trying to break out of your shell from just going fiction, nonfiction and poetry. And even then, you still manage to go to the poetry section. Yeah, it's, it's a natural <laughs> thing for me to do. And it's, it's interesting because I didn't get into poetry until I came here to Sol Ross. Again, um, I went through a long period of time where I wasn't interested in reading at all. So um, coming to Sol Ross, and especially after taking my prerequisite courses, taking an American literature class for the first time and really digging deeply into the material and analyzing different things like politics and sociology and just, just all of these important things, analyzing race, gender and things, thinking more philosophically about how literature connects with the world around us. 
that was something that I had never been exposed to prior. Uh, we got a little bit into that in my high school career, but the main focus was usually on standardized testing. So it was a lot mm -hmm. of memorization yep. and just things of that nature. So I kind of had a negative viewpoint on what education was. But as soon as I took that first American literature class, I was completely blown away. And I was like, wow, you know, I thought poetry was this really esoteric <laughs> thing, you know, where you got to be hip and cool. If you get it, you get it. If not, you know, you're not cool. You know, <laughs> So, you know, that's that, that was my viewpoint. And then yeah. as we broke it down and we used like a, a methodical approach to it, I started going, wow, there's so much depth in here. Yeah. It's so artistic and flavorful with the with the language that they're using, you know, like this is English, but this is like fancy English, you know, I couldn't, that was, that was how I would describe it, you know, I didn't have the vernacular that I do now to yeah. articulate myself, so I said, I, I speak English, this is fancy English, <laughs> that's how I described it. <laughs> so That's honestly how I felt every time we would read a lot of the stories in American lit and British lit, I yeah. would I'd be like, whoa, this is, this is a whole level of English that I didn't think I would ever look it's at. It's sophisticated, but it's not un unreachable or yeah. un unattainable, you know, they'd use a lot of expensive words, but... You know, it's not just purely high-level writing. You know, it's 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 approachable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's why I naturally gravitate towards poetry now. It's just the more the more I, I dig into it, the more I realize I have so much to learn. But I also appreciate it as a genre and also as an art form. Like one of the things I've been looking into more is spoken word poetry and just seeing how different everything reads when somebody performs as opposed to just reading it. So it's it's really interesting, and um, yeah, that's just natural for me to go to the poetry section now. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's it's great that this university was able to do that for you because you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, English and a lot of courses suffer a lot in high school because they're just teaching towards those final exams. Like, nothing else matters. Just have to make sure you pass those exams, which obviously puts people off from really delving into the subject that they may like, that they took an interest in. And I think that's a great change in college because students start to realize that the professor isn't exactly interested in you like only taking exams. They want to hear from you, how you're taking the subject you decided to take, how you're taking the course, and they want to see your thoughts and ideas and what you're getting from it. Because, I mean, you're absolutely right. We're going to get some of those poets and poems where we look at it and we're like, oh, man, I, I don't get it. I don't see it that yeah. way. And the <laughs> professor is like, well, it's okay that you don't see it that way. Like, because that's yeah. what it's about. Like, and sometimes it's intentional for it to be yeah. confusing. Like, that's the whole purpose. Yeah, it's like a, was it Dr. Petty would tell it's, it's made to make us think. Yeah. Like, that's all it really is about. And I think it's great that the college itself just the college experience overall provides that for students, especially when students like go into school after high school thinking, man, it's just going to be high school all over again. I'm not going to like my English class. I'm not going to like my math <laughs> class, stuff like that. And it's like, well, no, you're going to find that you're going to like it because the professors treat you now more like adults. Yeah. And then with higher education, you know, the idea is the challenging of ideas, mm -hmm. challenging your worldview. So you might think a certain way politically or socially or different things, and it's an opportunity to challenge that, but also defend your ideas and just be open-minded towards different viewpoints. So that's what I really liked because we, we had a very diverse student group throughout my mm -hmm. English undergraduate degree, and somewhat so in our graduate program as well. And I like that because everybody comes at it from a different angle, 
and sometimes you know I, I learn different things and I, I change my viewpoint on certain things because somebody introduces a new perspective mm -hmm. on things and also I just want to go back you know no disrespect to anybody who I had in <laughs> high school as a teacher no he means a disrespect take that disrespect <laughs> no not at all um, <laughs> Because I did have awesome high school English mm -hmm. teachers, and that's how I learned about World War II, and we were looking at different literature in that regard, so that really turned me on to learning about history, yeah. world history, also American history as well. And, um, yeah, we got to look at different things as well. We looked at Shakespeare, so it was an early introduction to that. Mm -hmm. So there were there were good moments in, in um, my... Um, High school career where I got to explore literature. It was just a lot of it was there was a focus on yes. standardized testing. So. Yeah, no, but that's good that you were you at least were still able to find that positive and get all that out of high school, regardless if you had good or bad. I'm glad to hear that you had good high school experiences overall, though. Yeah. So now we're winding down to the closing of the podcast with these final two questions. So the first one, Anthony, what do you love about Sol Ross? Hmm. I feel like that would extend for another hour. <laughs> What's no, um, and in all honesty, all jokes aside, what I love about Sol Ross is it welcomes a wide demographic of students. So regardless of your background, there's opportunity for you to grow. Um, and for me, that's really what it was. Again, coming from an introverted background, very shy, very um, kind of felt like an outcast in a way in the beginning. I had so many faculty members and different people in our social group that saw potential in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself at the time. So I think it's an opportunity to grow personally, professionally. And I always say, you know, I, I owe a lot of my personal development to higher education. I'm glad that I came to a small school like Soros because I was able to develop those professional relationships with faculty and staff and everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I think Soros is a very special place in the sense that even though you can get a college degree in so many different places and there are hundreds of thousands of people that have the same degree as us. It's the it's the unique experience you get from a small community like Soros that mm -hmm. makes it special. From the way people open the door for you whenever you're walking into a place to people waving at you on the road that you don't even know. Oh yeah. It's that hospitality and that welcomeness, the eagerness to push you further. So I think that's something that's unique to Soros and that's why it's so special to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one that was one of the big like draws to me when i first heard about soros back in high school they're like oh it's a small campus the professors know you by name it's like oh cool i won't be just another number to them mm -hmm. or like i'll actually get to see the professor instead of oh here's my ta i'll see you i guess at the end of the semester <laughs> yeah and it felt really special because some of the professors after knowing them for a little bit of time they would ask me hey anthony how are you doing today yeah Little things like that make a big difference for students. When someone simply says, hey, they acknowledge you. Hey, how are you doing today? How's so-and-so doing, you know? Because you've built that relationship over time and you've built that trust. So it's a very special opportunity to have that here at Sol Ross and a, and a great privilege because, I, again, I, I sound like I'm blowing smoke, but really, <laughs> really I've had a, a tremendous time here and I'm, I'm very grateful for the people that I've met and the opportunities that have came from that. So not only my hard work, but also the potential that people saw in me even though if I felt I wasn't ready for said opportunity so so then with this in mind what do you love about Alpine it's interesting because I guess I guess it's a perspective shift because growing up in a small town I know for me and many of the many of the people that I've grew up with in my age group they used to we all used to think collectively oh, 
it's so boring here. <laughs> There's nothing to do. I can't wait to get out of here and go to the city. But as an adult now, I appreciate it more because it was a slower lifestyle. Everybody knew everybody in the community. So there's a sense of hospitality and accountability for each other. So it allowed me to explore myself creatively, uh, personally, and just being outdoors here. Like we have the beautiful Big Bend area here. We're like right at the corner of the Chihuahuan Desert here in Alpine. So I, I, really, I really appreciate Alpine more as I get older because I like the slower lifestyle. Even though eventually I'll probably move out of Alpine yeah. and move to a bigger place. I'm still a small town boy at heart. So, <laughs> you know, Alpine and Marfa and the whole Tri-County area will forever be my home. But, you know, I just appreciate it now because it's it's a slower lifestyle of living. Mm -hmm. It's a way for someone to discover themselves and just really take their time and really find who they are, so to speak. Not only through the environment, but from the people and the hospitality. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, we're kind of sheltered with that because we have such a wonderful community here. But... Also, I think it does prepare somebody to tackle on once they get out of the community and explore other avenues. So, yeah, Alpine's a very special place for me for all those reasons. Yeah, and it's great because it also sounds like it allows people to, you know, it's a slow lifestyle. It allows people to self-reflect yeah. as they're growing and developing and experiencing all the things a small town can offer because then they get to reflect on what type of person they're going to be is this lifestyle for them to prefer something bigger and alpine provides it in a nice little compact way so yeah i can see why you are very appreciative for places like alpine and marfa um yeah i, I agree with that yeah and even though you know we're a small community there's always stuff going on there's always people doing fundraisers or community gathering events music arts everything that you know, makes a community unique and special. We all, we have that here. So it's not, it's not mutually exclusive to a larger place. You know, there's still plenty of things you can do here, especially if you enjoy the outdoors or even the nightlife um, here in Alpine. So there's things for everybody and for all age groups. Mm -hmm. And that's something I appreciate too, is there's always something going on and different, different experiences to try out. That's good. Well, Anthony, before we close this episode of the podcast, do you have any questions for me that you'd like to get off of your chest? <laughs> uh, no questions, but I do want to say, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of this podcast. I've, I've been a longtime fan since the very first episode. Oh, thanks, man. I've watched a lot of them. So, yeah, you've done a phenomenal job. I know Jocelyn was a big part of this, yeah. too. So she did a great job. Bobby, of course, with all the everything going on with the editing and everything, we it's it's been phenomenal, and I'm, I hope this sparks more inspiration for new projects in the Hopefully, future. Hopefully, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're I'm glad that you guys are doing podcasts and we're getting more innovative and more <laughs> more um, advanced with everything. So that's great. And you know, I just want to say too, I've seen your progression. You know, because <laughs> we were talking about me, but yeah. you know, the thing is, is all a lot of our friend group and our cohorts and everything mouth through the library through different experiences yeah. and i've seen the tra transition in you as well because i mean from a student worker at the circulation desk to now full-time staffer mm -hmm. and then with all of your career goals and aspirations just seeing how much you've grown i'm i'm proud of you as well because i mean <laughs> it, it, it kind of naturally happens with everybody and again yeah. that's that's what makes the library special places it's not just for the student workers and staffers but for everybody, for that everybody. Goes through. there's always I always tried to make it, you know, a positive experience for whoever I interacted with in the library. And, of course, meeting you and some of our mutual friends, I, I think it, I think they would say the same thing. Definitely. Well, Anthony, thank you very much for 
It's great words of inspiration there. <laughs> Appreciate the praise there. Absolutely, and thank you for being friend. here on the show with me. Uh, and thanks again for people who tune in and watch the show. Uh, be sure to check out the next episode uh, when it comes out. Thank you very much. Have a thank good day. You.